Welcome, my friends, to Scrymier of the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. And I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Back once again, Dennis, with another uh, huge Riley, show. You did, you did sound engineering, didn't you, in college a little bit? Uh, I did a second, yeah, I, I, it was the third degree that I started, and I did not, it was the only one I didn't finish. Um, uh, I have a question for you. So I'm recording here, yeah. and as I talk, it shows me how, how high my volume is. Right now I'm hitting yes. like six decibels when I speak, Good. and maybe, maybe yep. like ten if I get a little louder. Mm-hmm. But I start at negative 54. Oh, you should, you should be below zero. Sorry, I'm below, below zero. I'm sorry, I'm yeah, below, below zero. Yeah, I'm hitting like negative six. Yeah, you want to you want to hit between between six and three. You never so want to go. This, what does this mean? <laughs> so, oh, geez, I did learn this, and now I've, I've forgotten it all. Um, okay, instead, I'm going to smoke bomb you with a diversionary fact. Do you know that decibels are measured logarithmically? Yes, so, I did know that. Oh, damn it. Okay, so sixty decibels is actually ten times louder than fifty decibels. Not yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, it's. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and check my notes from years ago. There's there's something about it when you get to zero. It's about measuring like, you know how with electricity there's like volts and amps and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's like sound, frequency, frequency and volume are separate things and stuff. Sound. And- yeah. Sound has different different attributes that are measured in decibels in different ways. I can't remember it. It's when it's an electrical signal or a digital signal compared to an analog signal or something like that. I'm I'm probably embarrassing myself. I mean, I I turned down a job. I got offered a job as a sound engineer at a t- on a TV show. Yeah, you told me this. Yeah, and they dodged a bullet there, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> with evidently, me, with me turning it down. Yeah, no. I used to, I used to work in like Foley on a Foley stage as well. That was good. Yeah, we fun. talked about this once before. But the secrets yeah. of the Foley industry, or whatever. Is that secrets episode, of the Foley industry. That's episode it. Episode yeah. twenty-one or whatever. Yeah. Right, so, uh, so you would obviously have embarrassed yourself on that show, clearly. But you know what you wouldn't embarrass yourself, Riley, is selling cards to Channel Fireball this week, especially beautiful. if it's your first time selling cards. I've heard about this. Now I'm a little annoyed. I should have <laughs> waited. I should have waited for a better deal. I've, I sold all these cards. Like, Channel Fireball absolutely got me. A couple of months ago, when they're like, oh, sell us your cards, you win a Black Lotus. I'm like, great, sounds like a good deal. And so I sold my cards. I got $1,000 from Channel Fireball. I'm not complaining about that. But now all of a sudden, CP's like, oh, new, <laughs> new yep. sellers. Every day, every day we're, <laughs> we give a box of Jumpstart away to a new seller. Uh, every $10 of cards you register as selling counts as an entry. So if you sell a hundred dollars, you get, you have 10,000 chances. You get 10, chances. like, it's, raffle tickets, basically. It's not, it's not logarithmic, unfortunately. You don't get, yeah. 10 times more for 60 as you do for 50. <laughs> but uh, Riley, you're, you say you're annoyed that um you had to sell in the past. Uh, Riley yeah. Knight at gmail.com or whatever has sold, but um Kylie Wright hasn't. So oh, many R- cards Riley Corey Tower at gmail.com or whatever hasn't. Yeah, Riley Corey 112 okay. is open for business. Start start hacking the mainframe. Start getting in there with those uh, with those sock puppets. Um, well, look, you know, speaking personally, uh, I know that I'm also paid to say this, but um, I've talked <laughs> about the lunch that I had with Danny, right? So no. when that... Oh, yes. I went and had lunch with, yeah, this is before lockdown. I went and had lunch with Danny and he's like, oh, here you go. Da, da, da. And Danny's got a massive, that massive, he was a standard grinder. And so he has just a massive collection. And I was like, dude, you should sell your, your cards channel And he was like, are you just doing an ad read at, at our lunch? At lunch? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, actually it kind of is that. Like I was trying to give him advice. This tuna sandwich like, is brought to you by channel <laughs> Like that's kind of what happened. I accidentally did an ad read in real life. But in that's some ways, if you is. buy if you buy lunch, lunch is brought to you by ChannelFireball.com. It is actually, yeah, a percent like a, a large percentage of my income comes from CFB. So like, if I go out and buy and buy Megan dinner one night, I'm like, hey, these chicken wings brought to you by ChannelFireball.com. Channel best place to buy, <laughs> to buy and sell you. Yeah. But listen, um, no, look, look, and I'd like to say say that all the listeners of this podcast are, are our friends, Dennis. Yeah, close so, friends. 
close friends, in fact. Uh, so I'd like to give them a little bit of advice, and that is send your cards. You should. If you don't want them, it's actually a good way to get rid of them. It takes out a lot of the hassle, and um, the buy list rates are whatever you think they are, right? Because often, like, card, card stores will shaft you. Mm. I still remember the Clefairy that I sold to... Um, the Clefairy. Uh, I did. I opened a Clefairy, and I went into... What was it called? Mind Games, I think? I can't remember what it was called. It was on Glenfree Road in Australia, in in Melbourne. And I went in there with this Clefairy and they were selling it in the, in the little, you know, in the, like the glass display cabinet mm. for 12 bucks. And I think, oh, that's so great. I can sell it. Right. And I can buy like, I don't know, a Blastoise or something with it. Cause I didn't have a, I had a water deck and not a, not a, a normal type deck. Didn't need this Clefairy. 12 bucks. Beautiful. So I go and say, oh, you know, I've got this thing to sell. I'm like, okay, we'll give you $4 for it. I said, well, that's not fair. It's, tw- you're, it's $12 in the window. You should give me 12. And they're like, that's not how it works, kid. I, I learned a stern lesson that day. Nothing Dennis. personnel, kid. Exactly. I learned a stern lesson about the economics that day. But I'll tell you this. You're not going to get shafted by CFB, right? Mm. They might give you $12 for the Clefairy, but they'll give you an appreciable fraction of it. They're not certainly not going to give you $4 for it. And so you'll be pleasantly surprised by the buy list rates for these cards. You should sell. You you really should do it. And now, you know, if this nothing has got you across the line already, this new, like, winner box of Jumpstart thing should should get you there. I mean, you're just going to open an infinite creative of It's going to have a great time. Have a great time. Um, anyway, that's the ad. Crush that. That's really good. Send that one to Sasso. Get you know him to approve you, that. You know what else we can crush, Riley? Go on. Our opponent's mana bases. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get to this here because we had... Uh, last week we talked about mass land destruction in EDH and I, I'm firmly anti-mass land destruction and Dennis is firmly anti-EDH. EDH, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we had some interesting uh, and some interesting discussion on the on the Scrum River Discord. If you go to bit.ly slash join uh, join Riley's Discord, you can see people weighing in on uh, on the stuff that was discussed. And Dennis, we had a couple of people with some interesting responses to what they thought about MLD in uh, in EDH. Mm. Vin the Human writes in Riley, which is by the way very suspicious, a weird thing to say. Vin the Human, Emi- very I mean, hello, I- fellow humans. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't for one thing, second think Vin wasn't a human, but now I'm now suspicious. Now I'm suspicious, yeah. Now I'm asking Vin the human writes in and says, for me, it would depend on the group when using mass land destruction. I am playing with rand, if I'm playing with randos at a shop, I would steer away from it unless someone else is also doing it. Oh, so it's like a mutually assured land destruction thing. When it comes to playing with regulars, we will sometimes make decks that are not necessarily competitive, but more cutthroat. Wait, what? <laughs> we are still playing with subpar cards, but someone might bring tangle wire slash tap effects, well, those will pick wildfire effects or cards that just can gain control of everything. But we know that we wouldn't pit those decks against non-cutthroat decks that we have. Basically, mm. if everyone's doing it, it's not going to be an issue since you know what you signed up for. And this is, I mean, this is the take, right? This is a nice, balanced, even take. If if everyone's on board with it, I think it's fine. But if you sit down against randos or you sit down against people you don't know that well or you just want to remain friends with the people that you play with mm. and haven't sort of had them sign off on it, I don't think you should be playing Mass Land Destruction. I agree with uh, Tyron Phillips as well. One of the big problems, as Tyron points out, <clears throat> is when people play Mass Land Destruction because it's quote-unquote funny mm. or they just want to spend their mana. And, like, if you're going to sit at an EDH table and hog all the fun to yourself, you are so completely missing the point of games of commander because it's a, it's a communal experience you can play competitively that's fine fun is like, zero sum mate what are you talking about fun is not zero sum, fun is zero sum and i want all of it you want every single drop of the fun you're not going to share the fun with you anyone. know my favorite edh attack i've ever had was which i think will explain to you how i approach edh was it the Melek? Is it Paragon one no 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 it was oh that, was the confusing counters one that was no 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 oh wow okay it was. Let me look up the card so I actually get the name right. It was a Zedru deck. 
All Edge of the Great Heart. Yeah, where yeah, you so give things that are money, you yeah, yeah. give people aggressive money so they can't play lands, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what the win condition is, Riley? Go on. Divine Intervention. Divine Intervention? What's that? Divine Intervention reads... <clears throat> Let me get the, the actual gatherer text for you because I'm sure this okay, guy's... The Oracle text here. Yeah. Let me pull it up here because it's incredibly slow. That's good. So decks, I've never had a good time with Zedra decks. Like I built one and I just couldn't ever get it to work. This is the wing edition, Riley. It's an enchantment. It costs like seven mana. Maybe two and eight. Divine Intervention enters the battlefield with two intervention counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an intervention counter from Divine Intervention. When you remove the last intervention counter, which is to say two turns later, obviously, the game is a draw. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. No, no, no. one wins. Really? I have, I have come as a benevolent leader in Zedru. Yeah. Everybody wins. <laughs> and so you just have to protect that for like two turns and, and then, and then everyone, wins. oh, and then it's a draw. <laughs> that is so unsatisfying. It's so good. That Not for, so, I, I would disagree. I would say it's incredibly satisfying. Jeez. I love how the fact, like, and you've, you've wrought yourself a real iron castle there as well. Cause when people are like, oh, geez, it's just Dennis wanting to have all the fun again. You're like, what are you talking about? I let everyone Everybody win. Everybody win. You suck, dude. You suck. Mitch I, like, Kyle you... has a take here on Mass Land Destruction. Right? They write in and say, I just listened to the latest episode and I might be late to the party on Mass Land Destruction. Well, good news, Mitch, you're not. But no. MLD is okay to play in Commander. I don't mm-hmm. really see anything wrong with playing MLD. It does get the game over with quickly in one way or another. <laughs> when decks are purpose <laughs> yeah, built true. to take advantage of MLD, it puts the game away very quickly. Quickly, it's fair. Well, those are separate statements. I mean... Oh, these these are two different messages that we 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 put together from Mitch here, but uh, it's I guess like you know Armageddon is is best when you go like one drop, two drop, three drop Armageddon attack and attack you. for six or ten every turn, right? Like that's that's what you want to do. And in games like Commander, it's just like I don't know, I don't want to be stopped from doing the things that I want to do. I I, I, I mean, I do I do concede the point that usually mass land destruction will end end the game one way or another because usually either you win mass, the game. Mass land destruction just massively extends the game in my experience. I was more thinking that everyone will just get up and concede, but yes, that, oh, sure. That, yeah. <laughs> but no, it doesn't. It does end the game functionally by just having people hate it. But yeah, if if you if you Armageddon and set everyone back to like you know a land in play or whatever the next turn, it it, it does slow down the game enormously. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if people if, if decks are custom built to use them. Here's an interesting. Here's an interesting. This is more of an advice question now that comes in from Specs, and I'm interested to get your take on this one, Dennis. Specs says. I run Armageddon in my Avacyn Angel of Hope EDH deck. That's the 8-mana eight 8-8 eight, eight fly that makes permanents that you control indestructible, mm-hmm. right? I only ever play it when I have my Avacyn out, and it's the only land destruction of the card besides World Slayer. Um, in my mind, I am not the asshole for playing these cards because they don't reset the game to zero when they're cast. They reset everyone else to zero, <laughs> leaving me with all of my resources to clean up and win in only one or two turns. Am I still breaking the social contract for playing them? If you only cast the Armageddon after you've got your Avacyn, it's kind of like that's the win con. that's the psych that's the cyclonic rift into attack with all, and I actually think that's okay. So there's two right? things. There's two things at play here uh, as to why mm. people don't like mass land destruction, which is what was mentioned up above when uh, Tyrone wrote in and said talked about people doing it because it's mm-hmm. funny. Resetting everyone yeah. to zero to just like waste everybody's time for the next ten minutes while you functionally restart the game is yeah. annoying. Yeah. Removing someone's ability to play their spells and they have to set at them and stare them at their hand is also a different kind of annoying. The nice yeah. thing is the latter one 
like which is what Specs is talking about, does often just end the game. Because as I recall, Riley, yes. Avison also swings in the air for damage. Yes. <laughs> attacks, I mean, attacks for eight, right? So assuming you've got any kind of a board, you play Avison, you play Armageddon, you can probably just pick him off over the next couple of turns. So I don't mind that if it's a dedicated win condition. We have, um, in the playgroup I usually play with, we have a rule against infinite combos, right? But I, in one of my decks, had, uh, in my Blink deck, I had, I had Restoration Angel and Kiki Jiki because independently, those cards are really, really good mm. in my deck, right? In a Blink deck, both of those cards are going to be really good. Um, but we just kind of had a soft house rule that I just wouldn't ever Blink my Resto. Kiki Jiki with a Resto or, or whatever. Um, but then that rule got amended to if the game has gone on for like an hour and someone's just waiting, you know, if it's just like, all right, we're going to win, break glass in case of emergency, we want, we want this game to be over, then it could be used like that. So, I don't know. I guess your your group can come to some kind of arrangement about how they want to deal with this sort of stuff. But uh, broadly speaking, this is the reason. This is the deck. reason I don't like Commander, man. It really is. Every, all we get so many questions that are like specific edge cases ruining my Commander experience. Be it mismatched power level of decks. Yeah. Be it someone builds a different combo. Be it someone builds a deck to hate out my deck. Yeah. Be it I get picked on. Be it somebody plays mass land destruction. At some point, Commander's the problem. It's flexibility. Yeah, but it's a bit like D and D. Its variety is its greatest downfall. It's a bit like D and D in that sense that, like, you can have the most miserable experience playing D and D with a, a in a group that doesn't have the same culture. Like, isn't a good culture fit if you want to use that kind of terminology? But there is one person who decides everything in D and D. Yeah, at the end of the day, the DM can just give a player character a brain aneurysm and remove them from the game if they want. Yeah, but that's not like. I don't know. It's not a fun. No, but, but it, like, it, you, you, one person is judge, jury, and executioner in D and D. But what I'm saying is, D and D and EDH have something in common in that they both have a level of um, flexibility, and the rules are mutable. You know, you don't mm. like Sol Ring, ban it in your group if everyone agrees. You know, in D and D, like if you don't like the way I don't know critical hits work, then you can change the way they work or whatever. And that is one of its greatest strengths. But, but also- the fact that the fact that everybody has to do that or make those kinds of decisions so regularly it makes you feel like the format's fundamentally pretty flawed. Well, I think the difference between D- the reason it works in D&D and the reason it works it doesn't work in EDH is because when you sit down to play at D&D with the Adventurers League, you don't have that kind of mutability and uh, but that's mm-hmm. much less uh, common than sitting down and playing against strangers with EDH. Like mm-hmm. you must much more likely to play D&D with your friends than you are with a bunch of strangers. So Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So look, I'm not going to try to back away from the point you're making because it's a good one. EDH is a flawed way of playing the game but it can also be very fun and i guess you've just got to find your little uh, your little niche and uh, and hope that you find players who are on the on the same level as you um or just be like dennis and give up give up on edh altogether which is yeah uh, you know cash out quit out sidecar so cash cash out out out. <laughs> riley it's time for a slightly spookier segment of the podcast oh, yeah. Yeah, tuck yourself in, hide behind the couch, draw the curtains, and hold your bang. It's time for LGS Horror Stories. A uh, one submitted here. Overhype this a little bit because we only have one this week. That's because yeah, it's, whatever. It's, 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 sorry, it's time for LGS Horror Story. Story. Yeah. Uh, this one comes uh, comes to us from St. Bed. Uh, Saint Bed. Saint St. Bed. Saint Bed. Yes, the patron saint of oversleepers everywhere. <clears throat> I have such trouble getting out of bed in the morning. Do you, do you have the same thing? Like, uh, I usually like just swing myself to the side and sit up. Yeah. I don't know about you. I have, I can't do it. I like, I have, I know. Here's a question. Go on. So you're lying, you're lying horizontal at a zero degree angle, right? Ideally. 
So do you pivot while lying down or do you sit up and then pivot your legs out of the bed? I'm going to have to. I don't know. I'm going to have to check. Your bed's behind you. Just demonstrate. I'll watch. I'll narrate for the audience. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. Well, this is my bed. This is the spare room. I'm in my spare room. All right. It's okay. a bed. Here we go. So Riley's, Riley's moving it okay. over a little bit. Lying more. down. He's lying oh, down. Oh, very good. Oh, I made a mistake, Dennis. Oh, oh he's not going to want to get up now. Oh, oh. All, right. All right. Now get out of the bed. No, I'll give you the rest of the podcast from here. I don't think you can do the rest of the podcast from there, buddy. Okay, all right. I'm going to get out of bed. Hang on a second. Okay, I'm going to get out of bed. Ooh, it's one motion. motion. And you support with your hands. Yeah, I definitely do a push-up with the hands and then swing my legs over. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of all one fluid motion there. But I have such trouble getting out of bed, man. I wake up and, like, even if I've got stuff to do, a place to go, people to see... I'm always like, mm, I just. Uh. What if what if the shoe responsibility is in bed though? Yeah, it's just uh, I'm very bad at it. I'm very bad. Uh, I, I do I do leave an offering at the at the altar of Saint Bed. You got you got to say a prayer to Saint Bed. Say a prayer to Saint Bed. That's it. No, I've got to, I've got to release myself from the tyranny of Saint Bed. That's the problem. Oh, maybe it's like he's like a Daedric Lord in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've suffered the curse of Saint Bed. It's uh, it's it's really not ideal. Anyway, Saint Bed asks, <clears throat> or doesn't ask, writes in with an LGS horror story, also slash power move. This story, shamelessly stolen from my younger brother. Love it, Dennis. You wouldn't understand as an only child. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, poaching the achievements of your younger siblings is a, is a broad, a, a proud tradition of your older siblings everywhere. Uh, story shamelessly stolen from my younger brother, but I was there at the time, so I think it counts. The first time we ever went to an LGS was at the Born of the Gods pre-release. At that time, my brother mm-hmm. was about 12, so old enough to play, but young enough that people felt like they could take advantage of him. Yep. Of course. It was a close game, but he managed to force game three and had his opponent, who was at least 30, dead on board to a single flyer. His opponent then pulled the classic, you drew before you untapped your cards, you skip your untap step that's been mentioned before. We have talked about that. The old, oh, miss your untap step so you don't get to untap. Beautiful. That would not only prevent my brother from winning that turn, but also would have allowed his opponent to swing for lethal the next turn. Instead of arguing about it, my brother let it happen, went to first main tapped, uh, his untapped island and cast Triton tactics to untap his flyer and swing for lethal anyway. This is pure power move. Like this, is, this isn't this is an LGS horror story. This is a that guy is the asshole and a power move rolled, rolled into one. It's like a bad thing that happened in an LGS. I guess if they'd gotten away with it, it would have been a horror story. But yeah, it was a horror story where all of a sudden the people didn't die. No, yeah. Yeah, they got away with it. They were safe, Dennis. They made it out Wonderful. of the haunted house. Wonderful. Yeah, that's really good. I really enjoy that strong, one. Strong moves from, I assume, St. Crib. Yes, St. Bed and St. Crib. Yes, St. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Saint> Cradle. St. <laughs> Cradle, yeah. All right, Dennis, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, a segment that we haven't seen a huge amount recently. It's just we revisit it every now and again when we get one that uh, that clears the bar, and we do this week. It's time for Power Move. We've only got one. <laughs> uh, this one comes from J-Maz. You want to you wanna let us know what J-Maz says? Power Move Classic. J-Maz yeah, DM'd classic. me. Yeah, 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 DM'd yeah. me on Twitter, Ryan, because he was worried he wouldn't get noticed in the cavalcade of messages in the Discord. Oh, yeah, he's getting big time. Getting big time by me. That's it. J-Maz writes in and says, Power Move, when taking control of an opponent's permanent, remove it from the sleeve and put one of your own <laughs> sleeves on it. <laughs> to take a step further, when the game ends, don't fix it. Just give them back their empty sleeve and their card is still in your sleeve. For the full trifecta, if they look at you confused or annoyed because you didn't put their sleeve back on, act embarrassed, apologetic and flustered as you dig around your belongings. For a Sharpie. Confidently <laughs> sign your sleeve and give it a friendly, there you go, kiddo. Bonus points if double, triple sleeving is involved. 
I love that as well because it's definitely going to provoke a very visceral reaction from someone. Like when you get a sharpie and bring it near their card, they go, oh, it's a, you're going to sign the sleeve. But still, like you're definitely going to get a big flinch out of them there. That's really oh, strong. Oh, man. You like that a lot, don't you? I love that a lot. Would you ever... How? I would love it if you, without asking, signed people's cards when you played Magic. <laughs> like you know GP. what? I would do it if I had a replacement I could give them. Let's mm-hmm. say like a growth spiral or something, like a common... Mm-hmm. And I was, if I had like a good rapport with someone and I knew I was going to be able to give them like a mint condition growth, uh, even then, no, it's not. Because what if they've got like a, what if their friend gave them that particular growth spiral? No, I can't, you can't do oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother gave me this growth spiral on her deathbed, right? <laughs> yeah. This growth spiral's in my grandfather's deck. <laughs> you know, yeah, I probably. <laughs> my grandfather's deck has no weak cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's got one signed by me. Yeah, no, I guess, I guess I actually wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That, that would be a, a very, even for like some rubbish common, it, you don't know the value that they have attached to these cards. So no, you can't. That was that. A, what I just made was a Yu Gi Oh reference. Did you ever watch Yu Gi Oh? I never watched Yu Gi Oh. No. Did you play Yu Gi Oh? I didn't even play it. No, Yu-Gi-Oh I understand. Was a broken game, bud. So I've heard. Uh, okay, here's all the knowledge I have on Yu Gi Oh. Riley, oh, perfect, perfect. Riley, tell me the plot of Yu Gi Oh. Okay, there's a, a kid. There's a kid who has hair like a Super Saiyan. Yep. What's his name? Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi is correct. Yeah. Yu-Gi, yes. Okay. Um, and he has a deck that was given to him by his grandfather. Yes. What's his grandfather's name? You. No, Go- Solomon. Oh, of course. Solomon. Sorry, excuse me. Um, I think okay. it's different in the Japanese one. But and he Solomon goes around with this deck fighting nerds. Um, they have... they. They have not, the clock system in that universe is not very well developed because rather than having one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, they only have one time, which is to it's duel. time to duel. Yeah, yes, to duel. Um, they have card, the deck You see that meme of like you th- looking at the clock and it's like, my heavens, look at the time. And every yes, hand says is, to duel. To duel, yeah. Uh, they've got a thing they strap to their arm where they keep their decks in. Dude, uh, that's called a duel disc and it a- slips out and you, you don't keep your decks. That's where you play the game. Oh, you play it that's on the little- battlefield. That's a play right, no, no table required. No table required, exactly. No table required. Okay. A friend of mine had one. You used to be able to buy them, and he was oh, he was the coolest guy in the block because he had a dual disc. It was wildly yeah. impractical. The last slot was way too small for cards. It would just destroy your cards. Which I realized now it's probably just deployed by Konami to get you to buy more cards. Oh, very smart. That's so smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's about it. That's all I know. Oh, there's and then there's I know the my grandfather's deck has no bad cards or something. That's in episode one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's is how how close was I? Pretty close. You missed the plot of the show. So the plot Which of the is... show to begin with is the creator of the... So let me put this into magic terms, right? Okay. So if magic... In, in, in Magico, the anime, right? You would be... You, you, would, you would be Riley Knight and you're... You, okay. What would happen is you would... Your father would... Your grandfather would own a card shop, right? Okay. And you would get a videotape that was a message from Richard Garfield. Okay. Yes. Inviting you... Yeah. Probably more accurately Mark Rosewater now, but anyway, inviting you to his private island to play magic with a bunch of other people. Of, you're 11, like, by the way. You're like a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're being invited to this private island, and as a way to get you to go to the private island, <laughs> the videotape would capture your grandfather's soul. Okay. And then it would pull, then Richard Garfield would reach out to the television and pull you in to play magic against him in the shadow realm for your soul. And then you would win and get your grandfather's soul back, but he wouldn't really give it back. So you'd have to go to the island. And the island was basically a tournament where everybody gets a a gauntlet 
that has two stars in it, okay? Okay. And you, you wander around the island, you challenge people to games in these giant holographic arenas. Yeah. That spring out of the ground. And when you beat someone, you take one of their stars. And when right. you have no stars left, you get thrown into the sea or whatever. Yeah, so you like well the same same as magic. You like you you, you can usually take two losses. Yeah, and, and when you get yeah, to ten yeah. stars, you yeah. get to go to the castle for like the, the the finals bracket or whatever. Oh, so it's just a PTQ. It's basically just a double elimination PTQ. Yes. Yeah, it's a double elimination PTQ. Okay, sure, all right. And then he, but, but you also then you find out that Richard Garfield has an ancient Egyptian eyeball that lets him see what cards are in your hand. Oh, so he's running the cheats. He's big cheats. He's running the cheats. Now, you're also cheating because you have an ancient Egyptian pyramid that lets you transmogrify into uh, John Finkel from 12,000 years ago who plays your games for you. So, you know. So, let me, let me, let me get this straight. In Magico the anime, right, yeah. you're an 11-year-old kid and you get asked to p- participate in a PPTQ where the first prize is not only a, it's like a million dollars with the PT, right? No, 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 no. The PPTQ, the first prize is you get to go to the island to play in the PTQ, but also you get your grandfather's soul back. Yes. Yes. Okay. Then you're going to play a PTQ on a, on a desert, on a, on a tropical island somewhere. And all the time you've got an earpiece in, right? Where you can talk to like PV. No, 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 no. You, Who- you, have you seen Get Out? Yes. Oh no, I know. I've read the. I, I, as with most horror horror films, I've read the Wikipedia plot synopsis, so I didn't. You have to go watch into it. like subspace, and Paolo Vitor David Rosa or, or, or Luis or whoever takes over your body and plays for you. Oh, okay. You also right. grow six inches and have a different voice actor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just like magic, then basically. And beyond that, actually, yeah. the person who makes so the person who makes the. <laughs> The except the things the holograms for the game, which in this case would be like the CEO of Ultra Pro, I guess. Yeah, Ultra Pro or Ultimate Guard or something. Yeah, yeah. Comes to your house and you have an your grandfather has an Uro, Riley, and this guy's a really serious competitive player, and he's got three Uros, and you can only yeah. have three Uros in your deck. All right. Okay. But yeah. there's only four Uros in the world. Oh, okay. Yes. So he physically beats your father up, your grandfather <laughs> up, until he gives him the Uro. And then just yeah. tears it in half so that no one so else no can one use else it can, against him. No one else can use it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so much like magic in real life, really. There's, I think we might have just leaked the plot of that Netflix show, mate. I'm worried. I'm worried. Well, no, maybe maybe this is like the maybe this will be a new tournament structure that 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 they bring in for this sort of stuff. So here's your path to magic greatness. The first thing is we're going to steal your grandfather's soul, and yeah. then you're going to come to the Shadow Realm and battle back for it. Right, and I work in marketing. That's how you get qualified leads. That's how you get players invested. You have to put something yes. on the table. Is by harvesting grandfather's souls. That's there's exactly some it. wild That's- stuff. There's a gu- there's a there's a woman in the tournament who scents all of her cards with different perfumes, so she knows what she's going to draw next by smelling them. The- so it sounds like you got to watch this rife- show. It sounds like you guys are rife with cheating. Yeah, yeah, there's a team of guys who I think seem to live on the island, but they're like Shaolin monks, and they do flips and stuff, and they build a maze you have to play in. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta watch this show, man. Oh, it sounds wild. I want to get back to the smelling thing. That is completely unfeasible. Yeah, my yeah, it's, they would all just mix, right? They'd all just mix. Like you yeah. wouldn't be able to. You'd be like, oh well, it's one of sixty cards. I, I can smell, you know, hints. I can smell hints of Gucci in there or Miss Bloody. Flo- I don't know what it is. I spent enough time in airports to know what all on the boat are. to the island. Another oh, so so you're Riley. Yeah. You're going to the island, right? And on the boat to yeah. the island, 
there's another player who only plays insect decks, right? And his name is just pick a name out of our hat, you know, Jamin Kauf or something, just like a random. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he comes up to you and he's like, "Alrighty, you got this really cool playset of God, I don't know, like Nissas, right?" And you're like, okay. "Yeah, yeah." And he takes them. And it's like, "Wow, these are really, really rare. They're really hard to get." And you're like, "Yeah." And he throws them into the sea. <laughs> And in this world, your best friend, which in this world would be me, I guess, I yeah. dive into the sea <laughs> to yeah. fish these cards back out for you. Oh, thanks, Dennis. How am I ever going to get them to fit in a sleeve again? Have you seen what oh, there's a no sleeves. Everybody like? is just raw dogging it in Yu-Gi-Oh. Just raw dogging it. I guess you're going to be able to tell when you can draw. You don't need to perfume the Nissi. You can just tell when you're going to draw it. This waterlogged card still <laughs> yeah, dripping. It's yeah. U-shaped. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that's Yu-Gi-Oh. That's Yu-Gi-Oh done. Um... <laughs> Sounds like I need to watch this this Anaheim. You I'm actually should. I'm a fan of Anaheim, but that is, yeah, that is the best part. Is because is if you watch the dubbed version, it's edited by four kids, so it's a lot. It's pretty um, muted, uh, which is to say, like like Kaiba's goons will burst in and point guns at someone, but yeah. there's no guns on Nickelodeon. So Kaiba's goons will po- po- dive into the room and just point their fingers aggressively at people, and they'll be like, like "Oh that. no, I'll come with you right away." <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. It's great. That's very good. That's oh mate, all right. This sounds like a wild ride. It sounds like a wild That's ride. Crazy. All right, Dennis. We've got an uh, we've got an actual factual advice question here. Once again, from Vin the Human. Again, just just Vin would have been fine. It, yeah, it is really weird for a person to write in an advice podcast on, for an advice question into our Yu Gi Oh Watch Along podcast, but I guess that's fine. Yeah, that's I guess, I guess we'll, I will take it. Yeah. Anyway, this comes from Vin the, the Carbon Based Life Form. Um, who needs some advice. I've played MTG since 96, long time. Been a judge, tournament organizer, mentor to many new players over the years. The problem I'm having is with getting people uh, I'm close to regularly into wanting to start playing Magic. They all discuss wanting to get to learn, uh, uh, wanting to learn or play, but every, every time I bring it up, I tend to hear the same reason they don't want to play with me is because I've been playing for so long and they're scared they're going to get destroyed. I try to ensure them while I've been play, playing for so long, the, the thing I enjoy most is playing with newer people because I get to see uh, things be rediscovered by others. I also let them know that while there are lots of rules, you don't need to know them all to start playing. I've even gone so far as to make decks the focus on different aspects of the game to get used to, just like playing and attacking creatures, add sorceries for game two, then instants, etc., etc. How best can I coax people into playing this wonderful game? So well, this is a you, you, there's a the, misstep immediately here. I think in in, in your reasoning, Vin, and your 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 intent is good, but your reasoning is flawed. They say, okay. uh, "Oh, I'm scared I'm going to get destroyed." And your answer to that is, what I enjoy most is playing with new people because I get to see things that rediscovered by others. That does not make it a compelling yeah. offer to them. That is why you want them to play. What I would say is, if I, Dennis Straniak, by all accounts, a relatively mediocre Magic player, play against yeah. John Finkel, I will win not far off half the time. Like yeah. 35 yeah. or 40% of the time, probably. Yeah, you'll still win. Yeah. So, like, there is a- enough of an element of variance, and it's baked into the game by design for situations like this that newer mm-hmm. players can feel like they have agency, and either the, and it, when they lose, it might be close. So, I would I would press that angle a little bit. Be careful because you don't want it to make it sound like to make it sound like the game is just a crap shot every time. But um, you're doing very, the right thing for sure by taking simple decks without instant sorceries to yes. begin with. And so that's absolutely correct. Yeah. And just, I think the way you frame it, yeah, yeah. as you were saying, because the thing I was going to say is the difference between magic and, say, chess, right? In a game of chess, the better player should win 100% of the time, mm-hmm. right? Ideally, that's what should happen in chess, right? Yeah. There's no variance. There's no hidden information. Um, but with magic, it's not like that. So I think it's reasonable for people to see this and be like, well, you've been playing for, you know, whatever, nearly, what, 25 years or whatever. Um, 
there's no way I can beat you. It's like, well, no, it's not like tennis or it's not like chess. It's not like another game where, you know, 25, 25 years of skill is going to carry me in every there's single game. There's a very real element of variance in yeah, luck. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there are decks where your play skill is pretty heavily, like, held back. You know, if you play with those intro decks, Side-lined, right? yeah. yeah. Like, your play skill will be muted if you play with 30-card intro decks or whatever. Jumpstart mm. is a great place for this sort of thing, right? Jumpstart seems... Like perfect, perfect for this, yeah, for getting people into it because at the very beginning, there's no like the buy in is so low, right? They don't have to do any deck building, mm-hmm. to do anything like that, but they're getting the idea of like themed decks. They have a little bit of control over because they can pick two archetypes they like the look of, you know, they can go cats and unicorns or whatever. Um, so this may be the way to do it, but I think just uh, one of the things that really got me on magic was watching other people and seeing how much fun it looked, you know. Mm. And if you're the sort of person who's going to get hooked by magic, you only need to really watch one or two games before. So, I don't know. Maybe if you could just, like, accidentally... Oops, oh, you happen to see me playing this game of magic. Oh, no, don't watch. Like, if that's if they're the sort of people who are going to get hooked, that's going to, that, that offense is going to work. If you need to give them a little more cajoling, I don't know. You can trade hobbies with them. You can say, like, if you play a couple of games of magic with me, I'll come and do, like... I'll try mountaineering. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do some crocheting. I'll do some extreme ironing with you or something. Um, it really depends on the situation. But I think Dennis has got a good point with, you know, um, try to focus on what they're going to get out of it. And, you know, I'm not saying, I don't think Vin's going there and be like, no, play this game because I want to watch, in, I want to yeah, enjoy no, I, watching I you. But if that's, if that's the vibe you're giving off, people might. And also you can't be too keen, right? I've ruined many a person playing magic by being too. Cool. It's not. It's not even just magic. It's it's anything. It's when people are like, um, oh, uh, um, you know, watch this anime. Here, here's the DVD. Did you watch it yet? No. Why haven't you watched it? Here, Riley. Why haven't you played League? Yeah, with exactly. <laughs> I mean, that works in your case. I guess I, I've I've proven to be very. Although I haven't played League with you very much recently. No, and you, and you and you say we haven't talked as much as we used to, and those are related. Yeah, I don't like the fact that I have to play, I have to play a rubbish video game just to hang out with my best mate. Like, that's not ideal. Well, listen, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, cool. I'm, Excellent. I'm, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much, dude. No, that's good. That's thanks for the vote of confidence in our friendship. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You can't always uh, you can't always get people over the line, but uh, Jumpstart. Jumpstart's a good place to do it. Vin, sell all your cards to Channel Fireball, win a box of Jumpstart, and use that to, uh, to coax people into the game. Easy. Perfect. Right, we got some people worried about the status of their magical assholes. That gets you every time, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. The status or the existence thereof. Yes, yes indeed. that's true. All right, our first one comes from Cheesy Puffy, our first time of the asshole question here. <clears throat> Me and my friends play pretty casual EDH. We have a mass ban mm-hmm. on land destruction. Love it. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend plays... Well, actually, targeted land destruction is fine. Like, And I would argue Molten necessary, rain, but yeah. mass land destruction, no good. Um... My friend plays a janky spend deck with Jura of the Gitu. He is suspended Bearer of the heaven, Heavens from OG Theros. Uh, baby. Which is, an, importantly, a bend of the land destruction rule. That's the one that destroys... Um, Everything. Yeah, just all, all other permanents, right? Uh, uh, so, suspended uh, suspended Bearer of the Heavens, and I hatch my plan. I, etern- I eternal witness my heroic intervention back into my hands, and then when the last time counter was removed from the Bear of the he- Heavens, I proceeded, proceeded to bedevil the Bear of the Heavens to destroy it, and in response to the trigger, cast Intervention. While my friend is technically the one who played the land-destroying card, I initiated it. Also, while we value a fun game, it was technically the correct play. I didn't think before doing it, as I figured it was cool and didn't consider that it would devastate my opponents. Am I the asshole? No. No. 
If they brought the gun to the knife fight and you shoot them with it, that's their problem. Like, absolutely not. Like, you're playing two totally reasonable cards, Bedevil and... Um, uh, Divine Invention. Divine Invention, like uh, Heroic Invention. No problem at all. Sorry. And then your opponent gets annoyed when they're playing a card that is basically MLD and you get the better. No, get, like, get out of town. Get out of town. No, no absolutely not. Not, not even not. close to the asshole cheesy puffy. Genius. Genius play. Gen- I mean, high level play. High level, big brain. That's some wrinkled brain stuff there, Dennis. Wodar writes in Riley, and at the risk of getting a little bit derailed from Magic the Gathering on our very yeah. serious magic-focused podcast. Well, we never we talk about spend, anything other than magic. No, we didn't spend five minutes inventing a magic anime that would get us instantly sued by Shonen Jump. But anyway, <laughs> Wodar writes in and says, A few weeks ago, I was up early and hungry, so I made myself an egg burrito. Very good. While mixing the eggs, my father came down and asked what I was making. I told him. This is written so dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> he then proceeded to get a bowl of cereal, sit down and eat. I finished making my own breakfast. Later that day, my mother informed me that my father actually also wanted me to make him eggs, but he was expecting me to ask him. He was expecting me to ask him, do you want me to make you some too? And it was somehow rude of me not to. I am 100% of the opinion that it does not fall onto the cook to ask this question. If you want someone to make you food, you ask them. You are not an asshole here, Wilder. This is like, okay, at the very worst, right? I guess it's like, it's a little bit, rude not even rude like you, i guess you could just be like oh yeah i can make you some too if you want or something but you like you don't have to like i don't know man unless unless your dad asks a question like sniffing the eggs as they come out mm, what are you make? what are you making there what are you cooking <laughs> what are you cooking <laughs> like this like if you didn't pick up on that cue then maybe but like i mean if your dad does that i think you might as well call an exorcist <laughs> <laughs> Looks but, like, like eggs back on the menu, boys. Like, what's just ask? Just ask. This is the equivalent of sort of you know you know when you, you know you, 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 your partner's like uh, you, they, they go and you go oh what's wrong and they go nothing nothing like this. I just I've got no time for that. I'm like okay great. I'm gonna go back and play <laughs> Dead Cells. <laughs> like no. And your dad is like a fully grown man. He should be able to ask him. Like you should be able to ask. His kid to make some eggs, you know, yeah. if he wants an if he wants an egg burrito. No, that's, no, it was it was at worst. Getting the mum to then go to the kid and say, yeah. like, that, that means there's a scene missing here where, yeah, Papa Wodar goes, "You will not believe what Wodar did this morning." No, I went you know what No, 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 no. Back it up. Right, scene interior. Right, the dad Wodar is sitting. <laughs> Wodar household. The dad sitting on the edge of the bed. Right. Head in hands, despondent. Oh, like, like, I, like, looking down the floor, like, uh, the picture of misery. Yeah, distraught. Yeah, yeah. Distraught. Mother Woda walks in and says, so, Darling, what's wrong? He looks up, right? A tear, a single tear down, uh, falling down his cheek. Nothing. Oh. And she goes, Oh, not this, not this again. And she goes, Okay, I'm going to go put okay. this. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to, like, drag it out of him, like, say, Oh, what's wrong with this sort of stuff and then the mum the mum finally finds out that it was the eggs at breakfast has to go to Wodar and explain the situation <laughs> no Wodar what you did is at worst mildly inconsiderate but I think even that might be a stretch even that might be a stretch like even that is a bigger reach than bloody turret ogre right like this is this is <laughs> not like you can make your I don't know man I, I, like, I don't know what the dynamic of the household is especially as the dad like went and then got a bowl of cereal you kind of wanted the eggs that much Papa Wodar mm. 
How bad did you want the eggs? You're gone and you're eating your bloody all bran. Like, how much did you want the eggs if you're happy to happy to settle for a bowl of cereal? I don't make know, man. I don't know. Make your own eggs too, mate. Can make your own eggs too. Not into it. Not into it. Not the asshole. That is that for this episode of Scrimey River. It's been so good to have you company. Thanks for tuning into this dumb podcast once again. And of course, special thanks go to Channel Fireball, the very best place on the internet to buy and sell the way that you've been playing uh, video games throughout the week. Riley, it's time I for think Char- it's time. I think it's time for Charizard River to go on hiatus. Whoa! What? Why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. No. What? Yeah. I think people it's love a- it. Here's the here's the deal, Riley. I think uh-huh. I think I have a better replacement for the moment. You've got a better replacement than Charizard Mia River. But Dennis, Everybody, I want to talk about Dead Cells. I'll talk, okay, talk about Dead Cells and then I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, all right, I'll, I'll all right. debut my new podcast idea. <laughs> I've been playing Dead Cells. It's really fun. You should play it. It's uh, You just missed the Steam sale on it, but it's so good. If you like um, roguelike, it's a Metroidvania roguelike. And mm. uh, it's just, it's it, the feeling. I don't like the graphics very much. I'm not into 8-bit graphics very much, but the, it, it, it feels like the, the gameplay feeling. It's like Hades. It's fluid. It's dynamic. It's, uh, there's a broad skills and weapons. There's a reviewer I know called Anthony Carboni who calls that, who calls the, uh, the combination of atmosphere and game, they calls that the smell of the game. Yeah, the smell of the game. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not super into the, the, the visuals, to be honest. Music oh. is incredible. <laughs> No, no, but that's what I said. The 8-bit graphics don't really do it for me. But the, the music's incredible. The um, uh, it, It's just one of those games that, like, it presents you with a challenge. And the first time you come up against a challenge, like, I'm out, how am I ever going to beat this boss? This is impossible, mm-hmm. right? And then over the course of, you know, a couple of hours, you get good enough. And you get to the boss, and it feels, oh, God, I did it, right? And then a couple of hours later, you're like, how did I ever find this hard, Right. The progression—it's really, really good. It's—it's a—it's a—it's a, it's a, a fantastic game. Thank you to the people on the Discord who recommended it to me. I'm—I'm uh, I'm very, very glad I bought it. And yeah, Dead Cells—you should go and uh, you should go and play it. It's—it's uh, it's fantastic, man. I really need to get sponsorship from these companies. I keep shilling their games. <laughs> I'm seeing—I'm seeing zero for it. Anyway, that may be the very last Charizard up me river. What do we do? What do we Here do? Here we into, go, Dennis. Right. Everybody, including me and you, Riley, have homework for this week. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. Excellent. Before next week, everybody, we gotta go find it wherever you can. And watch episode one of season one of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist Kingdom. And we're going to do Yu-Gi-Oh! in review next week. Okay? <laughs> gonna go- okay. Episode one so what is, is, this? is called... Scry, the- Scry me a shadow zone? What is it? Yeah, shadow, yeah. shadow realm? I think... Well, uh, yeah, get, please get suggestions in the Discord. But episode one is called The Heart of the... All the episodes have two titles for some reason. Don't okay. know why. All right. Episode one is called The Heart of the Cards slash The Blood-Curdling Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Oh, I... That, those are two things that I also know about. Okay, hang on. Addendum to what I know about Yu-Gi-Oh. Pot of Greed allows me to draw two cards from top of my deck. <laughs> Correct. Um, I did know about what Blue-Eyes White-Eyed Dragon or whatever it is. Um, uh, 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 Exodia. Exodia, I know that. And uh, believing in the heart of the cards. I did know I had more Yu-Gi-Oh! culture stuffed in there. All right. So, so for next week, Ryan and I are going to watch it and we're going to review episode one. And eventually, if this is what it says, we just make it its own podcast. We'll just make it. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh! watch. All right. So it's now a Yu-Gi-Oh! review cast uh, instead of Charizard, Charizard Mia River. Charizard yeah. Mia River. I mean, I'm sad to see it go, but I guess I can stop shilling. Now, you know what? We'll bring it back when I start getting paid to shill video games. That sounds much exactly. better. Exactly. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I'm oh, excited to watch episode one of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Samitsu no Burazio Hawatio Dragon Daragon, apparently in Japanese. Beautiful. I can't wait. I can't wait. Can we do it together? Of course. Yeah, great. Excellent. All right, beauty. All right, my friends. That is that. Um, let's. Uh... Oh, actually, do you know what we'll do? Huh. We will do, if you are a subscriber of my Twitch stream or a Patreon member of half Fast History, right? Dennis and I will live stream us watching the, um, the, the episode and you can tune in in one of the, uh, 
in the Discord. Like we'll mm. we'll live stream it, to, but only to the to subs only, subs only. So there you go. If you want to go and do that, you can go to harvestive.com. There's a or dot net. Uh, sign up for the Patreon there. You can get access to that. So that'll be an exclusive sub only stream. All right, beautiful. We've got to do that for next week. Homework, wonderful. Anyway, we're done. That's it. Anything else, Dennis? We finished. Yeah, I think you can only have ten people in a Discord channel, right? Okay, ten people. Got to get in there first. Got to get in there quick. Me though, so it's eight. <laughs> eight people. Got to get in there nice and quick. All right, beautiful. All right, we're out of here. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back next week for more uh, more Yu Gi Oh uh, fa- Yu Gi Oh yeah, fan This podcast each week more and more inexplicably sponsored by ChannelFarball.com. Exactly right. <laughs> Oh, uh, dude, thank you to them. Thank you to Joe Kim Crud for the music. Thank you to Dennis. And thank you to you for listening. And as Dennis always says, don't forget, stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>